Hey guys, welcome to Carol's Coffee House, a place where Catholic singles in their 20s and 30s can grow in community and deepen their spiritual life. I'm Maura. I'm Sarah. Grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea and let's get started. Hello and welcome back to Carol's Coffee House. What's new, people? Hello and Sarah, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm slow, a little slow moving this morning, but... <laughs> I, I feel the same and today we have a special guest named perry hi perry hi, hi perry <laughs> how are you ladies this morning or this afternoon i don't know what time i don't even it? know either it's now isn't it i'm yeah. too tired to know anything right now. i'm good i have been on spring break all week so i've kind of been Fun. chilling sleeping in late Seeing my family, praise God. So. What is sleeping in late? <laughs> I don't understand that concept. <laughs> my body doesn't let me do that. I mean, how honest are we being right now? Let's okay. be honest. <laughs> Some days. Oh. <laughs> That's really for me, right? <laughs> when I get a longer break for Christmas, like when I go back and see my family, it usually takes me a couple days, first of all, to adjust a little bit to the time change. It's not, it's not much. It's just an hour, but sometimes a, an hour makes a difference. But uh, yeah, it usually takes me a couple days to get into relaxation mode and be able to oh, like, actually start getting <laughs> enough sleep. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. It's, and now I'm thinking about, you know, I have to start class again on Monday. I have to get into a routine and all of that stuff. So it's going to be a time. Oh, yeah. Got the, what do they call those? It's Saturday, but the Sunday scaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't help. They just dropped our schedule too. So, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Your schedule, like your clinical schedule? Or? Yeah, so we have clinical and we have class, but they gave us all of our assignments and all of the, you know, these are the expectations for this eight weeks and, and all of that good stuff. So just trying to think about that, but still enjoy my weekend, uh, the challenge. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a weird, I remember like I couldn't fathom life outside of school. I didn't know what that looked like to just go to work and come home like a grown up, like a real grown up, not a fake one that I had been mm-hmm. living like <laughs> with school and stuff. Yeah. I, so just for the people listening, I actually used to have a big girl job and went to work four days a week, worked four tens, and then I had to transition. Now I'm in nursing school. So, I mean, I'm very much in between, you know, in between places where, yeah, I've had to revert to studying every day, including the weekends and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. So definitely a shift. Um. <laughs> yeah. and you do like you do get into it it's a different kind of busy you know sometimes you have to bring your work home with you or work weird hours or whatever but it's kind of nice not to have that looming studying over your head yeah and keeping up with schoolwork on top of right it. right well I have three weddings this summer so I'm looking forward to not having to worry about like exams or like a school assignments around weddings. Are you a guest or are you just like, are you part of the, I'm just excited about weddings. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a guest. You are. Okay. (laughs) Which is, (laughs) which is very exciting to not have to do anything but show up. Sorry to every bride. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes that's a little stressful. Sometimes it's not. Um, just depends on the circumstances, I guess, but. Well, I've been in two weddings, but only one of them happened, mm-hmm. but I still did work for the first wedding for the, for the wedding that didn't get happen. I did a lot of work anyway. So what are we drinking this afternoon? Got my trusty coffee. I actually dusted off my French press though today. I've been doing a lot of espresso on the weekend. Ooh. Yeah. And, but I'm out of espresso and I didn't want to, I didn't feel like going and getting more. So I was like, I still have my French press and golly, it's just so good. Mm-hmm. It's the way to go. 
Joe offered me an assortment of teas and I went with green tea because it's, I like green tea and all the other teas. The only other appealing sounding tea was like a chai latte or a chai tea or chamomile. And I was like, I'm tired. I need some caffeine. (laughs) Perry, what's in your cup? Uh, Maura, you're not going to love this, but it's English breakfast tea. Quest. Maura comes from a very Irish background. (laughs) 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 But yeah, I I actually... I actually already had a cup of coffee and I was like, I need more caffeine, but not that much caffeine (laughs) for the English breakfast. And it does not disappoint. I've got, you know, honey and lemon. I'm getting to the point where the honey is kind of floating on the bottom. (laughs) Nice. Ooh, that sounds delightful. Sounds like we're all getting caffeinated. So (laughs) it'll be be great. Just wait, you guys. It's going to be all the caffeine is going to kick in. It's going to be wild. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just really glad to have another coffee drinker on this podcast finally Maura doesn't drink coffee so Harry thanks for repping the coffee team I've gotten to the point where I like the taste of coffee so much that I will drink it without anything in it but of course it has to be the good stuff yeah it does have well, to I be think the good that's stuff. how you know it's a good coffee if you don't need to add anything I think you're right. And it needs to be strong enough. Yeah, absolutely. Because yep. actually, I, I think I learned this. When you make coffee strong enough, it gets really smooth and it mellows out a little bit. Some of the bitterness doesn't quite come through. Mm. So, hmm. or maybe it's just in all the way. The, it, I mean, it is. It is in the way you make it as well. It's an art. <laughs> a beautiful art. I love you, coffee. <laughs> oh this is warm it's still warm it's not cooled off joe joe has thought that it might have been cooled off and it hasn't (laughs) (laughs) or it's just like the perfect temperature yeah that's something i actually learned about japanese teacups or like chinese teacups is they don't have handles and that's how you know the tea is not too hot to drink if you can pick it up without burning your hands um, that means it's cooled mm-hmm. down enough that you can actually be able to drink it without burning your mouth. So that's why a lot of times they don't have handles on them. So you can tell when it's safe yeah. to drink. I actually love those teacups at Chinese restaurants or any Asian. Yes. If you're there when it's cold and you're like using it to heat your body, <laughs> you're like, okay, here's my hand. This is like, I use it as a hand warmer while I'm drinking it. Yep. Little, nice little space heater. For your hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, <clears throat> let's get into the espresso shot. Let's do our espresso shot. Our espresso shot today comes from St. Angela Marici. And a little bit about her. She was an Italian lady, not a sister, the consecrated, but she started a consecrated lay order for women that she, when she was very young, her both her parents died and she and her sister needed to go live with their uncle and her sister also died. So she was, she went through a lot of grieving when she was young, but when she was an adult, she came back to her hometown and after arriving there, she noticed that there was a huge lack in education for young girls and women. And so she opened her house, she opened her own home and decided to teach young women. Um, She taught them about Catholicism. She taught them, like she educated them. And then she would go on to open an order for consecrated lay women. Her whole mission in life was to really bring into light the importance of family structure and the importance of having a good, strong family foundation in order to give our future society a great chance, um, a good future and hope for that. But um, so our espresso shot today comes from her and she says, do not lose heart. Even if you should discover that you lack qualities necessary for the work to which you are called. He who called you will not desert you, but the moment you are in need, he will stretch out his saving hand. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
love that. It kind of reminds me, I can't remember, it's a fairly popular expression, but it, it says something like, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot of examples in the Bible of God calling people, very humble people, who maybe like, are you sure? <laughs> like, are you sure I'm the best person for the job? And he gives them that power. He works through the humblest of people. You know, he didn't work through people who were mighty and prominent. Not always. He, he worked through very humble people and gave them the capability to do great things. Yeah, I think that humility, I mean, having a posture of humility totally, it just makes sense that it would make way for the Lord to have more presence in your life and just direct you in what it is that he desires for you to do. Um, And I think the beautiful thing in that and having him kind of direct your steps is that he is so, he's such a gentleman. He's so patient and he's so kind and he just is very, yeah, just benevolent. And that's such a beautiful thing. It's never forced. Mm -hmm. I've never heard somebody describe God as a gentleman but that's perfect. Cause I also believe that St. Joseph, I, so we just, I've been um, growing at a friendship with St. Joseph and I did a consecration to him and Joseph was a gentleman. He was a right and just and chaste and holy man. And he was a gentleman. He was very masculine and masculinity isn't like all macho all the time. It's being a man and like serving and being holy and being right and just and everything else. I think when I think of authentic masculinity, I think of like a controlled strength. So like Mm -hmm. having all this strength and power and the ability to do a lot of things. Right. Using that for good um, and using that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of like a father holding like a baby or their like infant or like their daughter or whoever. And they have this strength but they're so nurturing and it's like protecting and it's like, they are strong enough to like secure, like keep them safe. Cause I remember as a kid, like, I mean, I did feel very safe in my dad's arms. Yeah. Like it was a very strong and safe place and it was very loving and tender and cared for. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. my dad's the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that part that last line, he who called you will not desert you, but the mm-hmm. moment you are in need, he will stretch out his saving hand. That's what, that's yeah. what a good father does. He, mm-hmm. you know, he will not, he will not desert us. He's not going to leave us to try and figure things out. He might, he might ask us to do that, but when we call out to the Lord to help us, he helps. He's certainly been there when I needed him in the last year. <laughs> <laughs> And like different family members and just, I mean, I can get more into it as we get into our conversation, but I'm just doing a lot of reflecting right now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, sometimes, sometimes we are called to struggle a little bit. I don't know. I think that we can learn a lot in our struggles and even if we don't understand it, that he's not just sitting there like, figure it out he's, he's there like he is watching us he's watching over us and yeah I just am thinking about that in terms of like relationships because that's something I've dealt with well not relationships per se but I mean like some friendships and like just like navigating dating and stuff but I'm also thinking about people that got married and or they attempted to get married and then in it didn't work out. So then they went through and they had to figure out the annulment process. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Is this a good time to mention that I used to work <clears throat> at a tribunal? Yeah, it's a great time. Good transition piece. That was a great oh transition. <laughs> so Perry, you actually have a little bit of experience with annulments, right? You With working with people who've had or needed to get an annulment? Yes, uh, not myself personally. But I did work at a tribunal for three years. And Mm -hmm. for about half of that time, 
I worked as what's called an advocate. So, so a tribunal is anything to do with canon law, right? And they also deal with annulments. And in legal process, you have an attorney who represents you and your interests. And so the advocate's role is to represent the interests of one of the parties, either one. So, you know, in any marriage, there's two parties, including, well, not including God. But yeah, your job is to represent them, kind of walk with them through the process. All of that, it's very personal, but it's also helping them to understand the canon law and the church's teaching. So I did that for about three years and it was beautiful and hard and everything in between. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, all that to say, yes, I do have some experience with that. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us what an annulment is? Sure. So the word annulment is one that actually comes from civil law um, that people use to describe the formal nullity process. So we'll just use it to describe that. But basically, so the church teaches that marriage is perpetual, meaning that it lasts until you die and you go into either your eternal reward or elsewhere, unfortunately. But what the church also teaches is that that marriage bond is so strong that humans can't break it apart. And so because of that, the annulment process is an investigation that one of the people in the, in the marriage in question brings, um, and they come to the church and they say, can you investigate this marriage that's now irreconcilable? We cannot put it back together to see if we somehow invalidly contracted the sacrament. And, you know, there are a lot of different ways that you could invalidly contract the sacrament But it's very different from the civil understanding of divorce. A lot of people think of annulments as a Catholic divorce. And when we think about civil divorce, it's kind of saying, okay, we had a legal contract. We are now going to legally separate our assets and our lives and all that is encompassed in the legal definition of marriage. So it's kind of calling it off later after the fact and saying, this is done now. Whereas annulment investigates and looks back at the beginning and back at the dating and the engagement to say, we never entered into the sacrament validly from the very beginning, something was missing. So Mm -hmm. some people like to say you had a wedding, but you did not have a marriage. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a hard reality to come to, especially if, you know, you've been married to this person for five, 10, 15 years, sometimes more than that to say, Oh my gosh, all of this life that I did with this person, what is that? That's just gone. Yeah. But I think it's important in that instance to remember that God is so much bigger than that. And that that doesn't mean that your children are illegitimate. That doesn't mean that beautiful things didn't happen. What it does mean is that on the day you made your vows, you or your spouse or both of you entered in, and something was missing in order for you to create what we call marriage. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it makes so much sense. I think I remember sometime in in high school they when they were explaining the difference between annulment and a divorce, they took two class volunteers and they the teacher had them stand in the front of the class and he put a string between the two of them. And the string represented the marriage bond. And they said, with a divorce, you're still acknowledging that the marriage happened, but it's yours, the marriage bond is severed. So they cut the string. And so the string is still there. It's just broken. It's not connected anymore. An annulment, take another piece of string between the two, an annulment is basically taking the string away and saying that it wasn't valid, like it never happened, basically. Right. There um, is no string, basically. Yeah. So versus, yeah, the divorce, you still have, you each have a piece of the string. It's still there. It's just not, it's broken. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, obviously, that's kind of a harsh reality to think about. You know, I'm thinking about the espresso shot and how 
just very pertinent it is to this topic and just thinking about, okay, well, if, if let's say you're a person that finds yourself in that situation, it can feel really desperate and it can feel that, you know, there's a lot of grief that happens Mm -hmm. there, but to say that the Lord has not abandoned you, he sees you. And sometimes that, that process of uh, having the church declare your marriage invalid ultimately brings about greater good in the end, even though it hurts for a while. And sometimes Mm -hmm. there's a lot of pain there, but yeah, all that to say, the Lord sees you. He's still there. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen, it's so interesting because I loved being an advocate because you got to work one-on-one with people and just really hear their stories. And of course that means a lot of listening to them talk about what happened and just being a presence there. That is the place where a lot of the hands-on work happens just because Sometimes they need to be reminded that they have worth and that God sees them and that not all is lost. Yeah. Just really processing a lot of grief um, and that kind of thing. Yeah. I have a friend who she's not Catholic, but she had been married very young and then, and then divorced. And I'm sure you've heard a lot of really heartbreaking stories like this, Perry, but I remember we were with a friend group and she was kind of met this friend who had been divorced was the new kind of the new person in our, in our friend circle. And I remember we were sitting down and I don't know how this topic came up, but someone started talking about divorce and how they felt obviously nobody or most people, I would say, don't go into marriage with the intention of ending it, right? You marry the person because you want to spend the rest of your life with them. Nobody envisions that ending in a divorce it could, it might be a possibility for some people, but most people say, I wouldn't marry this person if I didn't see myself spending the rest of my life with them. And so, so no one ever envisions divorce, but I remember they were talking, my friends were talking in that moment and they were saying how divorce was like an easy way out. And they started speaking a little bit uncharitably, not knowing that my friend, because we were all very young. So it was also safe to assume that or she they didn't like they didn't know that she had been married and then divorced but she was so hurt by them because that was something the circumstances that she got a divorce was because her life was in danger and so the way that they were speaking about people who get a divorce as an easy way out like she was so hurt by that and she felt like I could see it just in the way that she was very overcome with yeah, grief and sadness and just felt like I feel lousy right now about myself. Yeah. There's nuance to everything, right? Mm -hmm. In my experience, and this is obviously not comprehensive because I have not looked at every marriage ever, but I have looked at some. And at least what I've noticed is that for some people, they do take divorce as an easy way out. However, it's my opinion that that is not the majority of people. Um, it's not the majority of people. And in fact, a lot of people go into marriage, as we said earlier, hoping to be married to this person for the rest of their life. And then something happens or several things happen, obviously several things happen and they decide that it's best for both of them to end it. And I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this uh, podcast is just like, especially in the church, there is so much stigma around being a divorced person. Mm -hmm. And I think, especially in our age group, there are not a ton of people who've experienced that. You never know exactly somebody's reasoning. I think it's always appropriate to assume the best Mm -hmm. of that person. I think something that's notable too, is that, you know, it is really hard. And I think all three of us have dated. It is sometimes really hard to bring two separate people together who have separate personalities and separate gifts and separate struggles and all these things and to mesh their mesh and meld their lives together into something really good. And it takes a lot of virtue and it takes a lot of work. Oh, it's yeah. really it's, hard. It's hard. It's so hard. To that. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. I mean, we're all like, we're not in our early twenties or anything. So we're at the point where like, we've all been, we're pretty independent. Yes. So it's like when you take independent women and try to like mesh them, it's just like, we're just like, 
ah. right. <laughs> we're like ah, my independence like how do I function with another human <laughs> yeah and I just I think for me even it would be hard to have a boy roommate you know um I know <laughs> well I mean I live with I live with three men so yeah. but that that's that's not the same thing because those are my brothers and my dad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Family. Um, it's very different. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and when people get married, even more so, they're bringing those things together. And everybody brings their own expectations into mm-hmm. marriage as well. You know, I expect that this person's going to act this way. And they may not even realize what their expectations are. And then they get there and they're like, why aren't you doing the dishes? Like I thought you would, or why don't you vacuum every Friday? Like, you know, this person in my family growing up did. And there has, I mean, we know this, you know, there has to be a lot of communication and a lot of uh, generosity and humility that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All that to say, I just, if you're looking at somebody who's been through a divorce, try to be gentle with them because there's probably a lot of grief there mm-hmm. and a lot of shame. And I think that that was something I talked about with people so much was you're still, God created you good. You are still good. You know, yeah. you've been hurt very mm-hmm. much. There's there. one little tidbit I just want to throw in here that people might not know. There's some people that might not know this. Being divorced does not mean that you can't receive communion. Oh yeah. That's really important. Mm-hmm. That's really important. Because some people really believe that, so they haven't been to communion in years, when really they can. Right. There, there's other reasons that you might not be able to receive communion, but that's not it. Yeah. <laughs> so it might be kind of good to talk about that piece for the sake of clarity. Yes, I think yes. so too. Yeah. So if we're thinking about the string analogy <laughs> that Sarah was talking about, let's say that a couple gets married and then eventually they get divorced. Mm -hmm. You still have the ability to go to communion. Um, But let's say that one of the parties decides that they are going to get civilly remarried to somebody else. In the eyes of the church, that string is still there between the Mm -hmm. two spouses. And so for the other person to get civilly remarried, Um, the church would not recognize that as a valid marriage. So in that instance, the church still sees that person as married to their first spouse, Mm -hmm. which means that ultimately they probably shouldn't be getting remarried to somebody else unless Mm -hmm. the church can say this never happened, i.e. there's no string anymore. Mm -hmm. So, okay. In terms of communion, Mm -hmm. If you're just divorced, absolutely, you can go to communion. You know, if you experience guilt about that, it might be good to talk to your priest, you know, potentially go to therapy if that's something you feel would benefit you. If you are remarried and since the church recognizes that you are still married to your first spouse, you probably should not be receiving communion because that would be, in essence, considered adultery. Right. And that's a really strong (laughs) term to use. Um, But if the church sees that this person is still married to their first spouse, then anybody else would be considered not their spouse. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a hard situation to be in. And I'm sure you've, you know, you've come across stories of people and you just, my, my heart goes out to those people. I mean, it, it has to be, if you're, if you're just divorced and not annulled, we, you know, we, we are human. We desire intimacy. We desire community. We desire be married still and to like share life with someone. And the church does have the rules there in place. It's, I know that it's not an easy process most of the time. It has to be such a daunting place where like, here's my current situation, but my heart naturally desires love and a connection with somebody to share life with someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think 
my thought on that, and I think we can relate to this as single people, is that it's just so important to root yourself in good relationships with people that are not necessarily romantic, right? Mm-hmm. So good friendships, being close to your family, if that's healthy for you. Of course, not everyone's family is super healthy. Um, mm-hmm. But really rooting yourself in supportive relationships, because especially when you're going through something hard like that, you need other people to fill you with life and love and to hold you up. I think about that as a single person all the time of, okay, what are other sources of love in my life that I can draw from? But you're absolutely right. I think being a person who is either freshly out of a divorce or looking at annulment, that's such a tough place to be in because what if it doesn't go through? And of course there are no guarantees But there's also a lot of processing that relationship that needs to happen before a new healthy one can grow. And often that is kind of a painful spot to be in. Yeah. Ultimately, there's a good that comes out of that. It's just healing in general. Oh, I do have one last question that I think that there is some confusion on and that people don't always really understand. If somebody is a baptized Catholic, Mm -hmm. but they want to, or they did get married civilly and not in the church, what are the options there? Um, Like, what does that mean? But they, they didn't get married in the church. They got married civilly. Right. So the church teaches that Mm -hmm. Catholics are bound by what is called form. Mm -hmm. So in order for our marriages to be recognized in the church you need to have it done by a priest uh with two witnesses and so if you were to get married civilly ideally if you're practicing catholic you would want to get that done in the church convalidated is the Mm -hmm. word that we use um actually one of my really close friends i was her quote-unquote maid of honor when she had her marriage convalidated so i was one of her witnesses But yeah, just making sure that you get that convalidated in the church. And then that is your official date of, of marriage. And so say that that civil marriage didn't work out, but then you met somebody else that you wanted to get married to in the church. What would be the procedure with that? So that's actually something that can be handled by your pastor. Um, You don't even need to go to the tribunal for that. And you just say, I was married outside of the church and you bring your baptismal record it's actually pretty simple procedure because to be honest, the, the parish, the church does not recognize Catholic weddings as marriages outside of the church. So mm-hmm. you just need to prove that you're a baptized Catholic or that your former spouse was and, and you should be good to go. So. Okay. And would there be an annulment that would be required for that? Nope. It's called a lack of canonical form. Ah, okay. Basically are proving that you married outside of form Mm. Um, okay see these are the little like yeah (laughs) things that I've come across in life I'm like okay we're gonna get I'm gonna bring these to Perry on air and we're gonna get we're gonna address these yeah yeah absolutely that's why I'm here Um, (laughs) so if someone were going through this what could they do to help the process go smoothly and use it to heal like, would you say that like really rooting themselves in those friendships or is there anything in addition to that? I think that's like definitely a start mm-hmm. is to root yourself in friendship to be connected um, with people in your life. You know, the annulment process is very much a legal process. And because of that, it's not super touchy-feely. And as humans, we tend to have emotions that <laughs> you know what emotions are, Perry. <laughs> I very much do. I tell people I'm about 98% feeling. But yeah, I think because of that, there's all of these feelings that need to be dealt with, the processing, things like that. So just some practical things. I think running to the sacraments, if you're in a place where you can do that, you know, as best you can, go to adoration try to receive the sacrament of reconciliation, try to receive the Eucharist if you can. Just because blanket statement, the Lord loves you and he wants to be with you as often as possible, right? And that is truly where healing is found is with with God and he's the divine physician, right? He is so passionate about our healing that he burns for you all the time. 
to to run to him in that I think is definitely the first and foremost thing alongside you know rooting yourself in really good relationships of course you can read books about it there's a lot of legalese that's going to be spit at you probably and um, it's important to kind of know what's going on with that in addition to that talk to your pastor because your pastor uh, has had courses in canon law and generally knows what's going on. If you can get the services of an advocate, do it. Because a lot of times they are just like you. They're very normal. I like to think that I'm normal. (laughs) 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 They'll understand, you know, they'll understand they're human too. They'll get okay, yeah, this is really hard, but also here's what this means and here's how you can help yourself. I'm trying to think of other things that are helpful. Yeah, just really rooting yourself in the sacraments. And I think that is where the most healing happens. In time, like, I mean, my friend, my friend who, you know, and that's been a, that's been a while, a while ago. And the time is a huge healer. I've always believed that, but she still has scars from those wounds, you know, however much she's healed and she's, you know, she's had counseling and, and she's talked a lot with a lot of people and gone to support groups and everything. And she's still, she's going to carry that scar on her heart. I think it's also a, a little bit daunting for her to date. Yes, absolutely. When that comes up and it's so her, her situation is very specific and just because she is so young, she was very young when she got married, she was, very young when she got divorced and so to meet to come across someone who's you know in this age group you know mid to late 20s or into your 30s and to to come across someone who's been married and divorced is a little can be a little surprising and some people are okay with it and some people aren't and that's got to be hard to try and open up to somebody with that kind of looming over your head yeah I think that Well, first of all, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, it is difficult, Yeah. but you would not also want to be with somebody who did not accept that about you. You you wouldn't want to be with somebody who did not accept any other cross that you have, you know, let's say you have type one diabetes, right? right? Obviously that's not the same thing. Right. But if, I mean, you would want to be with somebody who is sympathetic to your condition, like, Hey, I'll help you monitor your blood sugar. Absolutely. Same with conditions of the heart, right? This person should be open to, yes, this happened. Let's pursue healing together. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And also again, you don't know you don't know what people have been through. You don't know, you don't know their stories. You don't know where they've been or what they've dealt with and they're working through their problems and they're trying to be better. And yeah. So this is an interesting, this is interesting for me because I'm thinking from the perspective of also, if you were someone dating someone that had an annulment, because my sister was engaged to a man that had an annulment and that, so that I, I got to kind of see some of the trials that came with that and like the mind, like that, the thoughts that you can have with that, was it valid <laughs> mm-hmm. or like, okay, was everyone getting these or, oh, hey, they had a previous wedding and that's kind of a, that can be difficult to carry on. Like, oh, they, they, they've planned a wedding before to someone that wasn't me. Yeah. And that's hard. There's just like a lot of angles to look at this from and just like the sensitivity for each side because each side is going through a hard time. And some people, I think it can be easier for them to handle it than others. And then especially if it's the language that somebody uses, because he would say like, oh, my ex-wife. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. They, they weren't your wife. Because if they were, then us getting married would be you be committing adultery. And I'm not an adulterer. Mm. That was like her mindset. She's like, no, 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 no. That marriage didn't happen. That was not your wife. He's like, it it was a real relationship though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think 
you know, as you're dating somebody, you're looking towards marriage, right? You're <laughs> ideally, you're planning for a new union with this person, mm-hmm. but just like anybody else, it's so important to get to know them. And sometimes that takes time and awkwardness and asking really nitty gritty questions. <laughs> so let's talk about this hard thing. And of course, <laughs> approaching those conversations with generosity, but you know, if you're dating, if you're going to date somebody who has had an annulment, like we kind of talked about before approaching it, from a place of humility, but mm-hmm. also thinking about, you know, is this person healed from that relationship? Yeah. Um, am I in a place where I'm ready to be with somebody who's had a spouse before me or mm-hmm. you know, had been, had had a wedding before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Several weeks ago, we had, we had Nick, Nickster Wickster. Nick! Um, and one one of the things that he had said, especially when you're going about dating, and he had the opinion that asking about those core fundamentals, those core values from the get-go. Mm-hmm. People simple. ask on a first date. Yeah. Mm, bold. Yes. Love it. Yeah, it's very helpful. Well, Nick is bold. <laughs> I think he asks them in like the talking stage. He's like, hey, here's where I'm at. Where are you? Can we, should we even move forward? Are you open to children? How many? Just kidding. Um. <laughs> That's something that I do kind of ask about. I'm like, so how many kids are you open to? And they're like, oh, I'm just open. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. So Nick is of the opinion that you should bring those things up pretty early. early because or it would be better to do that fairly early in the process because otherwise you've gone through maybe even entered into a relationship with this person you don't know those core things and then you come to find that you are not compatible in your core values and morals and beliefs it kind of wastes your time in a sense you can Mm -hmm. always learn things from any relationship you're in obviously but knowing those things early on can help save a lot of heartbreak and struggle mm-hmm. and, and conflict. And time. And time. Yep. And in Nick's perspective, money. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's like, that's the something that like he mentioned this before. For men, there's a component of dating that's like, okay, the time that you're spending pursuing somebody and then planning a date and then the money that you're investing in the dates. Yes. And I would literally never think of as a woman. Yeah, dating is expensive. Especially <laughs> <laughs> for the guy. Yeah, I I actually listened to that episode and I'm there a hundred percent with his opinion. And obviously looking at marriages kind of gives you yeah, kind of gives you perspective. But I've also personally been in that situation where, you know maybe we had this idea in our head of who the other person is. Mm -hmm. And then, oh my gosh, I just learned this fact about you that you're not who I thought you were. And maybe I'm not as attracted as I was before (laughs) or vice versa. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's totally practical and it makes a lot of sense to say, okay, I'm looking for this type of person. Maybe, you know, what kind of things work well with you. Um, I would say from experience that trying to date somebody with very different values from you is really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I once dated a guy who was a Protestant and socially, and I'm Catholic for, you know, I think we've established that maybe we haven't, I don't know. I'm Catholic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I did date someone who's a Protestant and socially we had a lot of the same beliefs, but we got stuck on a lot of doctrine and on a lot of theology and how do you explain purgatory and, you know, what do you believe about baptism and all these things? It was a great exercise in apologetics for me, but at the end of the day, we had to have a conversation about, oh, hey, if we get married in the Catholic church, you have to pledge to raise your kids in the faith. And he was not interested in doing that. Mm -hmm. We did part ways. We are still uh, cordial with one another, but it was really difficult. So I love being cordial. <laughs> yeah, I'm cordial with many men. <laughs> Dating's hard. 
Yeah, like like even is. like I mean the dates part is also hard, but finding someone to talk to and potentially date. Yeah. <laughs> it can be fun but difficult. Like, oh hey, like that was a fun conversation that I had. And it's like, okay, maybe that was just and sometimes I I mean it's fun. It's like, oh hey, they were cute and I had a nice conversation with them. And then you can kind of enjoy having had that nice conversation and then you can also enjoy if it becomes more or not or it's like okay well now they find somebody else interesting or hey I'm interested in somebody else and but it's just a process (laughs) it is yeah I had shared with Mara and Sarah that prior to well a couple months ago I was kind of in a place where I just really was comfortable in life and I was enjoying my singleness and then I realized oh if God is calling me to marriage and I'm not trying, that's really selfish, right? That's it's super selfish to just be complacent and sit there and not try to pursue my vocation. So I, you know, I talked this over with my spiritual director and he basically told me I needed to go date and (laughs) to just do it. And he said, (laughs) he said to date lots of people at a time, casually, of course, And to try to space them out so that I can have the time to evaluate what's going on. And, you know, by golly, I started (laughs) dating some of these people and they did not love that I wanted to put time in there or that I was seeing other people. But what it did do is it really helped me to parse out, okay, what did I like about this person? Would I want to see them again? Rather than plunging in headfirst and being like, this guy is so cute. I'm going to see him every day of the week and going full bore. You know, it really helped me to stay level and to just consider, okay, what is the reality of this situation? And what do I, how do I want to proceed? Yeah. I remember when you, I got the text saying, I signed up for dating apps and I'm not talking to some, (laughs) oh wait, this guy is now gone because I'm Catholic and I'm saving sex for marriage. (laughs) Yeah, I did have to have that conversation with a few people right off the bat and just say, hey, I'm not here for casual sex. I'm here for relationship. And for me, that means saving um, sex until I'm married and definitely had at least a few gentlemen say, okay, well, I'll see ya. Um, I'll be moving on. Some of them very polite. Others of them were less polite but (laughs) (laughs) I've had some really funny interactions with men on dating apps where uh, there was one time and I was just in a, a, a weird mood but I matched with a guy on a dating app and his first message to me was are you down for sex I was like, I was in a funny way. And normally I don't have a lot of pain. Like, I'm like, I'd be like, are you proposing? But, well, <laughs> no. So I said, I said, I sure am, but only if I'm married to the guy first. Oh. He, so he responds back. He goes, Will you marry me? <laughs> so like, Dang, that's the third time this week. <laughs> but, so he like laughed at, you know, like we, it was a funny interaction, even if it was a little undertone gross, but I really appreciate both people who can say, Hey, this is what I want. Hey, I'm not into that. Okay, cool. See you later. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, I think something that process, the dating process over the last couple of months taught me was that it's better to just kind of see it lightly and gosh, it's so hard to not imagine what your life could be like with somebody or to go like headlong into it but for me it's just healthier to kind of keep it light and say all right you're cool I appreciate that Mm -hmm. this isn't a fit or maybe yeah I think um Perry something that you mentioned a little while ago was that your your spiritual director said to date and to go on multiple dates and I feel like that used to be the way it was like that that's what my grandma did <laughs> that, that's the way it used to be you know like girls used to step out with multiple guys and it was very common for girls in like the 40s and 50s for women to receive multiple proposals from men oh, because wow. just the dating culture was so different back then yeah. they dated differently they didn't put all their eggs in one basket yeah and so but my tendency is to like focus on one 
at a time, usually. I think that's a good thing to do to get variety and to see who you connect with because you have different connections with different men. I don't think, I don't know. I've never believed that there's a one, one person out there for you and good luck finding them. <laughs> I think that you can have connections in different relationships with a lot of different people and it just looks, the relationships are going to look different, mm-hmm. but there's a good point, And I've never heard that before, Perry, where you said, if you're seeking out your vocation, that is marriage, but you're not really putting yourself out there. Like the man is not going to drop himself on your doorstep. You have to put yourself out there. You have to go, you have to go out. You have to make that effort to find somebody that you can connect with. It's not just going to, they're not just going to show up. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? But you have to yeah. get out there. I mean, it's dating is really hard, right? Like there are some things that are really hard about it, but at the same time, and I hate this, I hate that I'm about to say this, but you have to try. Yep. (laughs) I think I needed to hear that more than anybody else, but you have to try, even if it's hard, that doesn't mean you can't take breaks, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think too, the advantage to having at least in the forties and fifties when they had it culturally so kind of casual like that mm-hmm. um, is that you're not investing all of your emotions in one person. You can jump from person to person and just get to know them. And, and maybe you develop a friendship out of that with a guy and it goes nowhere, you know, mm-hmm. um, or, or maybe you don't and you both go your separate ways and you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. And you find out who you want to spend more time with. Right. I definitely learned a lot about myself through this process and what I like and what I don't like. And especially how different personalities bring out different parts of me. Right. So I'm kind of half introverted, half extroverted. And I have a tendency to get a little squashed by people who are very extroverted and that may not be their fault at all. It's just me being a little intimidated and just saying, I'm going to hang back over here. Come talk to me when you want to, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. That's my favorite thing about dating is, yeah, seeing how you can interact with so many people and different personality types and really learning more about yourself and what you're looking for. Something I have done is not just with dating, but just like in male friendships that I have is like seeing different qualities that I like. I'm like, oh, yeah, I would like to find that in another person too. <laughs> or like, oh, yeah, don't like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about one of the really beautiful things in working at the tribunal was that I had a handful of male coworkers who were married who were close to me in age. And it was really beautiful to you know, be experiencing and like kind of walking alongside these people who are in really broken marriages. That's not the beautiful part necessarily, although there's healing there. But the beautiful part was watching my male coworkers be awesome husbands, Hmm. fathers, and just realizing how well they were living out their vocation to marriage. And just really clinging to that and being like, yeah, I would love a husband who is that devoted to his wife and his kids. And is just like, funny and obviously not perfect but this is so beautiful just a beautiful witness of what yeah what god has ordained marriage to be Um, yeah definitely a learning experience so what advice would you give to someone that's finding themselves they are suddenly divorced or considering a divorce and what to do then so i think it depends on where you are in that process. Let's Mm -hmm. say for the person who is in a marriage that is not healthy, you know, there's a lot of, we've said this before, there's a lot of shame and stigma with divorce in the church. And I think the question that you have to ask yourself is, what is my reasoning for this? And is this a healthy choice based on that reasoning? So there's, again, nuance here, right? If you are pursuing divorce because you're just not super attracted to your spouse anymore physically, or there are things that can be worked through, perhaps it's better to work through those things or to try. 
right? Let's say you're in a situation where your former, your, sorry, your current spouse is addicted to something significantly. Mm -hmm. They are maybe abusive. Maybe they're abusive to you and your children. The church does not want you to think or want you to stay in that situation if you are unsafe. I'm going to say that again. If you are unsafe, you should leave. Why? Because you're not safe, right? And God ultimately wants your good and your happiness. And do not, you know, it's so easy to play these mind games with yourself and say, oh, I should stay. I should try to, you know, if you are unsafe, go be safe and then figure it out, right? So let's say you're considering divorce in that situation. And, you know, there's these really, it's really a toxic situation like that. It is important to know and understand that if somebody is abusive, if somebody is very addicted to something and that has been happening for the duration of the marriage, there is a high, high likelihood that that marriage is invalid from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And that is a really tough thing to stomach and to listen to, you know, and, and I can go more into that, but if abuse is happening, chances are that that person is not healthy and has not been healthy for a long time. And that's a hard thing to deal with. So ultimately, at the end of the day, God doesn't want you to stay in a situation that is not good for you or your children, mm -hmm. or you're unsafe, do what you need to do. And obviously, that's way easier said than done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. If you are already divorced, and you are considering the annulment process, my best advice to you, obviously, you know, anchor yourself in really good relationships that are supportive. But also talk to people about it. Talk to people who've been through the annulment process. Talk to uh, your pastor. Honestly, I think the pastors, the priests of these parishes are perhaps the best asset that people have because they are kind of a link between, you know, canon law, which is a little heady and a little confusing, and the personal side of things. Um, mm. There's a lot of paperwork. So, you know, prepare yourself for that. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, that's what I would say. Okay. And then moving into grounds to cover for this week, uh, we've been talking a lot about annulments, but also just dating in general. What are some ways, what are some things that we could do for this week to practically apply what we have talked about here into our lives? Be open. Mm -hmm. When it comes to dating, like just be open, but also be honest. Yeah. I think I would say, try not to take it too terribly seriously. I know, mm -hmm. again, that's easier said than done, but it helps to kind of save your heart in the process, right? Yeah. yeah. I think something that would be really fun, if you are looking for maybe the chance to have an open interaction with someone of the opposite gender, I would say if you're in a grocery store, if you're in a park or whatever, you, if it's natural... <laughs> If the opportunity presents itself, <laughs> give a stranger who seems to be young and unattached, give him a compliment. Say, just say something, you know, give him a compliment. Oh, you have really nice eyes or I like your shoes or something that compliments something about them that's genuine. Make eye contact with them. But that kind of opens the door at least a little bit to an interaction with somebody and that, you know, maybe they say thank you and walk away and that's it that's fine. If nothing else, you give them a reason to smile today, you know, or just something, just something to open the door and just have a, an interaction with somebody in person. Cause I think that sometimes that's a lost, you know, we're all about on-screen dating, especially in pandemic time, mm -hmm. but yeah, be open. If somebody approaches you, be open to that possibility. And in the year St. Joseph, maybe befriend him. <laughs> the most chaste spouse. I believe that he's the greatest saint right under Mary. He's a good one. He's one of the yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. So, and if you are someone who's looking for, who's maybe struggling in your dating life and mm. you're struggling to find and establish a really good connection with someone, don't, don't give up. If you need to take a break, take a break. Mm. But 
it, you will you will learn you will learn about yourself at the very least when you it, it can be frustrating it can be oh I've been on some really bad dates before and that's just so <laughs> discouraging we've all been there and we've all been there <laughs> and it's awful but keep keep going you're doing good keep trying I would encourage you to just even when it's a struggle take a break when you need it but keep going you'll yeah. you'll, you'll get there <laughs> well thank you so much Perry for being yes. here and talking to us today thank you for annulments are something that I don't have a whole lot of experience with or I have a lot of questions and I know it can be mm-hmm. a tricky topic to discuss but thank you for enlightening us a little bit more on that process and mm-hmm. speaking with such love and charity especially yeah. for people who may have experienced that mm-hmm. um, we really oh. appreciate you being on here and well yeah it's been my pleasure to be on thank you so much for having yeah. me yeah thank you so much for coming on <laughs> yeah I'm excited to to yeah well, thanks again to all of our listeners for for dropping in to Carol's Coffee House. Thanks again, Perry. Yeah, subscribe, review us, rate us, leave comments, contact us if you need to at our email or our Twitter page. We are praying for you guys and we hope to see you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs>